Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, December 13th. It is six minutes after nine. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall has the day off and Brad Kloppenstein joins us in the studio. Hello, Casey. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for coming in today. We have to say happy birthday to someone right out of the gate, don't we? I love it that you started off with this. My wife, Sheila, today is her birthday. 29. Of course. Happy birthday, (laughs) Sheila. Thank you so much for listening today. All right, let's get down to business, Brad. It was a big day yesterday in Washington, D.C. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, he was there in town pitching everybody, give me money, money me now. It's kind of like he was trick-or-treating, but he missed the holiday. (laughs) Right. He was uh, encountering some stern opposition. This from a lot of Republicans. He was seeking out uh, approval for billions of dollars in additional U.S. military assistance for Ukraine's ongoing war against Russia. Uh, Do you think we're going to hear very soon that Ukraine is going to take over uh, policing our border? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to get to that gaffe from Joe Biden here in just a minute, but it was a a lot of meetings and Zelensky was, he was pitching it, wasn't he? He was. Hey, good for him. He's out there selling. ABC always be closing. He was trying to underscore the urgency and the need for increased American assistance to counter the Russian aggression and uh, protect them from advancing any further. But lots of questions to ask. One, what is the strategy to win? I I don't know. Uh, There was the 60 Minutes had that story over the weekend on Sunday, and it just kind of talked about where that where that war stands it seems to be somewhat at a stalemate although i know that uh, that russia their troops are not real inspired to be there uh ukraine does seem to be inspired but ukraine definitely needs weapons and munitions i think the bigger thing is i mean ukraine was never considered an ally of ours mm-hmm. until two years ago mm-hmm. and suddenly when russia invaded your enemy's enemy is your friend and we saw this as an opportunity to kind of stick it to putin and yeah. that's what we've been doing but you can only do that for so long um and i guess i'd be curious to see how much our other allies and their other allies are kicking in obviously it was it was a very unique set of circumstances where ukraine wanted to be able to fight with russian weapons and i think some of that was in case they captured Russian weapons, that they were able to use those against them. So there was that trade where we were giving weapons to Poland and Poland was giving weapons to Ukraine. And I'm not sure where that all stands. I think that we finally got to the point where it's like, yeah, the United States is funding this, but we shouldn't be funding it 100%. Yeah. And that seems to be what Zelensky is looking for. Yeah. um, We have not been presented any sort of strategy to win. And where's the accountability for all the money in arms? You know, it doesn't help when we hear stories leaking that uh, America's been paying retirement funds and the Ukrainian government salaries. And that that is one of the problems. I mean, Ukraine has been notorious for not being above board on how they distribute weapons and some disappear and they end up in the wrong hands. And, yeah, we need a good accountant over there Mm. just to kind of keep track of what's happening. I would like to believe them, although Ukraine is kind of Russia light where, 
you know, that they're not necessarily playing above board. And I think the other part of this is I know that there's been at least a couple of incursions by Ukraine into Russia, and Russians like, hey, that's not fair. Well, no kidding. It's yeah. not fair that you invaded Ukraine, but you know what? If Ukraine takes some of your land in the process, so be it. And I, when you ask, what does victory look like? One, I think Ukraine should get back all the territory that they've lost since this started two years ago. I think they should also get back the territory that they lost, what, seven, eight years ago when, when Russia came in and took a little bit of, the, of their land. And if Ukraine takes a little bit of Russia, so be it. Well, all of the fear-mongering threatening to send our our sons, possibly daughters, to, you know, fight over there, that's not a good strategy to give us more money. That doesn't make anybody feel good about the situation. And just because you don't want more American dollars or equipment sent over there does not mean that you're a Putin sympathizer either. Right. right. Exactly. We have to take a look out for ourselves. And you know what? Our budget is not exactly balanced right now. <laughs> this is true. All right. So let's get into uh, some of the things that were said. Here's Joe Biden telling the press to hush up as he announces that he just signed another $200 million drawdown money. And this is from the Department of Defense for Ukraine. Thank you. Before the press. Before the press. Hey, whoa. Hush up a second, okay? Got one more thing to say. I've just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming quickly. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Biden. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Biden just sitting there staring as his handlers remove the press from the room. You can hear Peter Ducey actually trying to ask a question. But at what point is uh, Zelensky going to realize that he may have to have a conversation with Putin about peace? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to. I, I don't know what their reserves are. I mean, I'd be curious to see what percentage of their population has, you know, gone somewhere else in Europe. I think there were 20 million people going into this. I'm curious how many of those 20 million are kind of sticking it out, how many are fighting. But you're right. At some point, you exhaust your resources and you have no other options. Well, they were sitting there in this room next to a fireplace, practically holding hands. And here's Joe Biden saying that Congress needs to pass this funding before break. Congress needs to pass a supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break the holiday recess before they give Putin the greatest Christmas gift they could possibly give him. And uh, so because we've seen what happens when dictators don't pay the price for the damage and the death and the destruction they cause, and they keep going when no price is paid. Okay. So did you hear the, uh, I think it was a mistake, a gaffe, I certainly hope so, when Biden seems to blame Ukraine for our broken immigration system? Um, I, it's got to be a gaffe because, yeah, Ukraine has nothing to do with that. Although I will say I have zero problem with, with Republicans saying we're going to tie these two things together. Mm-hmm. If that's what it takes to finally secure our border, mm-hmm. then so be it. But it. I, I do agree. Securing our border is in our best self-interest. And Why, that should be probably our number one priority. I feel like, and that you said the word right there, priority. I feel like, why can't they prioritize our country first? And then, it's like they can't do two things at once. 
Why does it have to be all in the same package, bundled together? Why can't they make it separate? And if it needs to be done one, two, do it like that. What is the issue here? In a perfect world, they should be separate. Unfortunately, we have an imperfect world. And yeah, Biden keeps wanting to cram Ukraine funding down our throats and do nothing about securing the border. Unfortunately, it's gotten to this point where the only way that we're going to get the border done is to tie it to Ukraine funding. And I think that, that the Republicans in Congress are saying we're not necessarily opposed to funding Ukraine. However... Top priority yeah. is our southern border, and once we've got that, then let's talk then about Ukraine. Then we can focus on something else. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I'm cool with that because otherwise, they, they've done nothing with the southern border now for three years of his administration, and I don't see that being a priority unless they have to make it a priority. Okay, well, here is your president. He's reading from note cards even, and he still can't get it right. Here's a take I've never heard before. We also need Ukraine to make changes to fix the broken immigration system here. We also need Congress Oops. to make the changes to fix the broken immigration system here at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he messes it up when he's reading it, right? <laughs> which he doesn't do very often to begin with. The notes are literally in front of his face. He's, yeah, he's not even reading the teleprompter. No. Um, Bless his heart. Grandpa needs a nap. Okay, well, he's uh, saying that securing the border is actually an extreme Republican partisan agenda. Why is that extreme? Okay, Casey, I'm going to tell you. Obviously, I I have a a strong libertarian background, Mm -hmm. and my whole view on immigration and the border is we should have tall fences and very wide gates. Mm -hmm. But... We should at least know who's coming in. If somebody wants to come into the United States, we should at least know who they are, make sure that they're not a criminal, make sure they're not wanted wherever they're from, um, find out maybe what skills they have and where is it they want to go. I, that seems fairly simple. And to say that that is an extreme position, are you kidding me? Yeah. What's extreme about that? There's nothing it's, extreme about it's that. It's insane to watch the uh, Democrats fight tooth and nail against border security. Holding Ukraine funding hostage in an attempt to force through an extreme Republican partisan agenda on the border is not how it works. We need real solutions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not holding Ukraine funding hostage. It's, again, called prioritizing and putting America first. Correct. They could just say, no, we're not going to fund Ukraine. Now let's talk about the southern border. Mm -hmm. They're at least giving him an out. Yeah. It, which is more than, than he's given them. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't find myself agreeing with, with the Republicans all that often. But in this one, I, re, I agree. Okay, so Senator Lindsey Graham uh, from South Carolina, he was urging President Biden to get involved in the border policy negotiations, saying that uh, he doesn't have any confidence in any of this getting done. But Mike Braun... Mike Braun from Indiana. He says that this is the first time that all Republicans are together on a key issue. So I think finally in the five years I've been here, this is the first time one of the most serious issues that was a big uh, issue, even back in 18 when I ran for Senate, Mm -hmm. uh, through the Trump administration, it got down to where there was very few illegal crossings. And then open borders policy as soon as Biden got elected. That has been brewing as a key issue. And I believe along with the weak economy, November 24, that will be what litigates the election. So this is the first time 
in my time here where there were 41 Republicans that said, until we secure the southern border, we can't attend to any of this other stuff. And it's not to mention that all this aid will be 100 percent borrowed money to boot. That's a whole nother discussion. But here it looks like finally the House has said one thing and the Schumer Senate, though, he is the one that will have mm-hmm. full authority along with his communications with the White House in terms of what happens. He'll try to spin it in a way that says uh, we can't do all of that. But I hope Republicans hold strong. It's the first time we've had us all together on this key issue. Sounds like that's Mike Braun making a little bit of sense right there to me. Testify, Mike Braun. Mm-hmm. So they're not holding, you know, the border hostage. They're they're trying to protect American people. One last thing before we get into break. Uh, Mike Braun also introduced a bill to reinstate pilots who were terminated over the jab. And he was asked the question, how many pilots will be back in the air? Eh, he may have been making sense a minute ago. He's not really answering this question. Remember when it was in the rearview mirror and they were still doubling down on forcing all employers down to 100 employees Mm -hmm. to force a vaccination upon their employees. That would have been the biggest havoc wreaked in the entire COVID journey. We did a Congressional Review Act that took notice, got two Democrats on it, and thank goodness two weeks later the Supreme Court said that is nonsense. Mm -hmm. There are still vestiges though of bad results and as far as hard as it is to get pilots currently we're under staff there Mm -hmm. chronically across the country this bylaw says reinstate the pilots that were fired by the federal government because they refused to get a vaccine of course we know that a lot of those pilots just retired completely so again he was asked the question how many pilots will get back in the air because of this bill he didn't answer it so like a typical politician he had me one minute and then he lost me the next he's at least trying to go down the right road but you're right most pilots are in their early 20s shoot that this happened three years ago they've had a whole new generation of pilots come through since then yeah it is 20 minutes after nine it's the kendall and casey show on 93 wibc Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning. It is 25 minutes after 9. You're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Brent Kloppenstein is in for Rob Kendall, who has the day off. And are you ready for this? Producer Kevin, fabulous man, is going to have a hot take. This is going to be exciting. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, Something else surprising is that uh, Senator Todd Young scooped me on something. What? That rarely happens because you know how much time we spend surfing uh, the internet and reading on news stories and listening to reports. And and darn it, if I didn't get on the internet last night and and Todd Young knew something before me, I was shocked. He is kind of an insider. (laughs) And, so what was this? Well, the the shocking thing is that uh, the two Indiana cities have been named as two of the best places to live in America. And this is according to a report from Money. And one of the cities, I know you won't be surprised to hear this, 
is caramel. What? Yes. Uh, they say that uh, Carmel is uh, one of the most uh, best cities in the country, and they're no stranger to being on these lists of no, no, best of. Um, it was named one of the most livable cities recently, and it tops all of the top 100 places to live in the U.S. on all of these different ranking systems. But Money named Carmel 19th out of the 50 best cities across the country. They pointed out the Monon Trail as one of the highlights for Carmel, along with the exciting local sites that include the Carmel Carmel Arts and Design District, as well as the Hamilton County Center for the Performing Arts, and, of course, the equally award-winning Chris Kindlemarked. Well, Carmel hasn't been the same since they took down the grain silo. <laughs> little change. <laughs> a little change. Yes. They're, they're going to add a roundabout in your name for that one, Brad. Yes. Well, they've got to name them after somebody. They're running out of people. Uh, so, Kevin, you've been to the Chris Kindle Marked? Yeah, I have. I have been to it. I went a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And give I, us your hot take. I thought it was cool. Uh, <laughs> but we were talking about it. You asked me if I'd been to it. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I've been to that one, but I've also been to the one in Munich. Uh-huh. And I got to say, I think Munich has Carmel beat. You think so? Oh, yeah, come on. Just Why? By, just by a little bit. <laughs> There's just little subtleties here and there. Like what? I don't I think, I think the, the city's just more beautiful and, uh, yeah, the the Glufine, the mm-hmm. famous spiced wine that they serve at the Chris Kendall Markt mm-hmm. is a little bit better. In Munich? Yeah, it just hits you a little bit harder, you know? Yeah, so you're comparing Munich to Carmel, Indiana, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's competition. Okay. Well, Casey, you know, I was just thinking, this show has now gone had gone 25 minutes without offending anyone so far, which might be a new record right? for, for 2023. Not anymore! And then Kevin goes and disparages all of Carmel. Yeah, Who would have thought it would have come from Kevin? by the I way. Know. And I'm a South Sider too, so that makes it even worse. Those, those mentor sessions with Rob Kendall paying off, huh? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm so, learning. Okay, uh, what so what, what is your, in your opinion, the best part of the Chris Kendall mark? So do you want to know about Carmel or Munich? Let's talk about Carmel. Yeah, well, either okay. one, Well, actually. Carmel, I like the ice skating rink. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't ice skate, but it looked cool. Okay. It's a nice little like centerpiece to the uh-huh. whole festival. Uh, there was some live music that was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, especially the glute vine. That's my favorite part. Do they have a lot of oompa-pa bands playing in the one in Munich? Yeah, there were, well, actually not in the Chris Kendallmarkt, but mm-hmm. at the uh, Hofbra House, which yeah. is where I went before going to the Chris Kendallmarkt. Is that named after band. David Hasselhoff? Uh, there's probably he's probably related to them, <laughs> but yeah, they they had a polka band at the Hofbra House, but not actually at out in the streets. All right, well, you know who loves polka music? That is Kurt Darling, and he's got the news next on ninety three WIBC. Good morning. It is nine thirty four with Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall has the day off, and uh, Brad Klappenstein is joining us today. And for the first time since, well, pretty much the entire Biden administration, food prices allegedly, allegedly aren't rising faster than overall inflation. The new CPI was released, and it showed that food prices increased 2.9%, which is below the inflation rate of 3.1%. So we're talking about 0.2% difference. I feel the savings, Brad. I feel it. Do you feel it? Well, now that we stopped the price fixing on eggs, Mm. sure thing, prices have come down. 
Yeah. Here is uh, one of the uh, Biden economic advisors, and uh, she's she's talking about how wonderful the price for groceries are right now. I feel like the uh, underlying um, trend lines and inflation are good. We've seen grocery prices come down. We've seen prices at the pump come down. Uh, We've seen uh, some of the core uh, areas uh, moving back down to pre-pandemic levels. Okay. Uh, Just let me be clear. She's lying to you. Yes. Well, food prices have been up over 20 percent for Good part of a year and a half. Yeah. Two years, right? The prices have been up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when prices come down, that's not necessarily a good sign. That means there's economic uh, stagflation. Well, gas prices, by the way, we also know they have been up and they have not come down to, well, Trump era prices, pre pandemic prices. Yeah. Um, so she's saying this 0.2%, one day, one day, keep in mind, of 0.2% is fantastic. You, I mean, you you can feel the savings when you go to the grocery store, you, I'm sure. You look for victories where you can find them. Yeah. Uh, one day of 0.2% lower. Uh, food away from home, by the way, still rising at more than uh, three times that pace. Restaurant prices still higher. Um, so just like when mom always says, we have that at home. It, it is cheaper to eat that at home. It, it is, but when you go out, you're typically going out for the experience or the convenience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I get it. But uh, the, the fact remains, more and more meals are being eaten away from the home. So when somebody can come to me and say, yeah, more Americans are eating at home now or more meals are being eaten at home, um, that would be something to be very worried about. So over at the uh, the meat counter, the butcher, beef and veal price is still up 8.7%, uh, ground beef up 7.2% annually. So the Casey Daniels filet mignon, how have you noticed the prices going on that? Mm-hmm. Other categories where uh, it remains incredibly high. Baby formula, still up 7.6%. Sugar, still up 6.8%. So you may be catching just a smidge of a break on your eggs when we saw those prices increase by 70%. uh, But your 0.2% that you're getting this one day isn't isn't really changing a whole lot for you. No, no, they're still up. But that's simply because we increased the money supply by 20 or 25% three years ago. And by definition, everything's going to go up and it's all going to adjust accordingly. So I'm not terribly surprised. Okay, so last week, uh, the former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, he was attending the New York Times Deal Book event and he was interviewed. And during their conversation, he said something. He was describing the House of Representatives and he said, I look over at the Democrats and they stand up and they look like America. We stand up, and he means Republicans. We stand up. We look like the most restrictive country club in America. And there's an article out right now from the uh, Indiana Capital Chronicles. Um, Is America versus the country club in November next year? Yeah, Michael Leppert wrote that article. Mm -hmm. Very good article, and he's not wrong. Um, Republicans still have got to figure out how to reach out to people who do not look like them and and convince them that, yes, we are all in this together and that we are a very large tent. And that is not happening. Um, 
uh, and sadly, America's kind of split between, yeah, the older white dudes and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way it's falling. But there's, I think there's just a lot of people that don't feel like they fit into either camp. And you're seeing more and more of that, where more and more people are identifying as independents. Fewer and fewer people, unfortunately, are participating in the process. And I think it's because they don't feel like they're welcome to participate. I thought the interesting point in this article was that he was saying, you know, if uh, the House of Representatives is a big country club, clubs are divisive. They're also exclusive. But yet it's sitting here in the land of the free which it, it, it's kind of the, the dichotomy of America, how we have all of these, these exclusive clubs and entities, but yet we're the country that doesn't like exclusive and, you know, we, we want to be the land of the free. Right, we, so they don't, they don't match. There's No, it doesn't match. It, it, it doesn't matter where you go. People want to hang out with pe- other people who are kind of like them. Like-minded, sure. Right, like-minded, exactly. Mm-hmm. Shared experiences. And getting people to intersperse is very difficult. I mean, you don't have to look any farther than our churches. They have not really integrated. And I mean, here we are. It's 2023 going on 2024. And that is still an issue. Nobody wants to tackle that divide or even hardly acknowledge it. But it's there. And until we... Until we bridge some of these gaps that are still there, it's going to be hard to completely come together as a country. Uh, let's talk about Ron DeSantis really quick. He's, uh, you know, there's that uh, Iowa debate that's coming up. Uh, what's her name? Nikki Haley. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's she her is, name from South Carolina? That, she is that not chick com- from South Carolina? She is not committed to it yet. And based on the criteria to get in, who knows if Chris Christie will make the cut. Don't know if Vivek will make the cut as well. So Ron DeSantis could be the only one debating because, of course, uh, Donald Trump most likely wouldn't show up. And Ron DeSantis has a real problem with that. He's been hitting on Trump again for being an entitled former president who doesn't feel the need to show up and debate or take questions. And uh, DeSantis says that he's not running for himself or for his issues, but he's running to fight for the issues of the communities and our country. However, in the latest Iowa polling, it's got Trump pulling ahead. So, Casey, what are your thoughts? Are the, Is there value in these Republican debates, mm-hmm. given that you have one candidate who's not participating, who is so far out in front, if you just look at the numbers? Is there any value to anyone else or even the process by having these? Absolutely, I think it is, because these people are standing up and they're saying, I can lead this country. I'm another alternative. I have a different voice. And I think it's good to hear him. If nothing else, and it's the same thing that I've been saying about Vivek since he came on the scene. And I I say, this guy is saying stuff that nobody else is saying. It's a different voice. And I think it's good that you hear all sides and gets the conversation going. Amen. My personal feeling is that if somebody's not willing to participate in this process, Mm -hmm. they should not be considered for your vote. That's just me. So you're you're so you're siding with DeSantis on this. Yeah. uh, What he's saying about Donald Trump not showing up to the debate. Right. Yeah. If Trump doesn't want to have to stand up there with people he's running against. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. This is a competition and people are vying for the voters vote. If somebody does not 
think not highly enough of the voters to participate and say, this is where I stand on issues. This is how I'm similar yet different from my opponents. You know what? They're not worthy of my vote. But don't you think you feel like you already know where Donald Trump stands? Yes, I wish he'd shut up. Oh, okay. Um, well, we'll get into what he's got going on here in just a little bit. But uh, DeSantis is presidential campaign manager. He was on, I believe it was uh, CNN, and he was asked why DeSantis hasn't been able to close the gap in Iowa despite his efforts. And here's your answer. So given all of that, why is Governor DeSantis still trailing Donald Trump in Iowa by more than 30 points? What's happening? Look, I know you guys like the polls, uh, but the, the polls are the polls. The same polls that predicted Donald Trump would win the Iowa caucus back in 2016, um, they were not accurate. The same polls that predicted a sweeping red wave for Republicans across the country last year, they were inaccurate. Um, no public poll predicted that Ron DeSantis would soar above expectations with a 20-point win. So what do you uh, have that's once, going you know, to defy those state polls? Of Florida. It's the organization. Is organization going to win a presidency? Well, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask, is De- excuse me, is DeSantis done if he doesn't win Iowa? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I think it really depends on his donors, right? Because he needs the money to continue on. That's true. Are his donors going to be done if he doesn't win Iowa? Right, because Chris Christie seems to be going all in on New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Nikki Haley, I think, is kind of hanging out, figuring if I can be top three in those first two. Carrie, South Carolina, and maybe a couple other states, then then she's good. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, DeSantis seems to be all in on Iowa. Well, the thing is about the polls is I don't feel like people always speak 100 percent no truth. no they don't so there's always a surprise the uh, campaign manager for desantis he then goes on to explain how they plan to be successful in iowa so what do you uh, have that's once, going to know, defy those state polls? of florida it's the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Team DeSantis has an organization in the caucus state uh, that is second to none. It is the most robust infrastructure of any presidential primary team in Iowa uh, to date. Uh, county chairs in every single county, caucus site captains, precinct captains, hundreds of people spread across the state, inclusive of, of evangelical and church leaders that are going to make sure when it's you know in the teens freezing on caucus night uh, that their strong network of DeSantis supporters go goes out to make their case, to bring their friends, bring their neighbors, and uh, see DeSantis uh, fight, win, and then ultimately lead uh, following that great night and moving on into New Hampshire with the momentum. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're still counting on doing very well in Iowa and moving on to New Hampshire. And I thought that was a really good point. Does uh, Trump have the ground game in Iowa to get people out of their warm, toasty houses if it's uh, snowing and cold in January in Iowa? That's a good question. Yeah. I wish, I wish just for a minute that I lived in Iowa, just because imagine if you truly, if you lived in Des Moines, there's a good chance you, you would have the opportunity to meet every single person who's mm-hmm. running for president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just, and to tell be, them what you think to be courted like that. And then the Democrat caucus, my understanding is they get in basically a big gymnasium and then they have you walk to walk to different corners to show who you're supporting. Well, then your neighbors and your preacher are looking at you saying, you better come this way. I think that would be fascinating to watch. Well, there's a new casino opening up in the spring here in Indiana, and we're going to talk about that coming up from 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Ten minutes in front of ten. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Brent Klopfenstein is filling in for Rob Kendall today. Let's talk about this new casino that's coming to Indiana sometime in the spring. Churchill Downs owns the property. However, it's been made possible by Spectacle Entertainment, and that's the company that keeps getting people sent to jail for corruption. Spectacle Entertainment. How did they get involved? Um, if it's owned by Churchill Downs, do, so, we, well, do we know the answer? Th- so Spectacle is no longer involved right. because the Indiana Gaming Commission said you are not allowed to be involved in gaming a little, anymore. A couple unsavory deals took place. Yeah, right. so, so uh, let me give you the backstory and the timeline. Because so, that happened like back in 21, right? Right, right. Yeah. So the, the, the forerunner to Spectacle Entertainment, and mostly the same principles, ended up owning the two horse track casinos. So Anderson and Shelbyville, mm-hmm. they're now Horseshoe Indianapolis and Horseshoe Indianapolis Northeast or Anderson, whatever it is. Um, so anyhow, they then bought the two Gary casinos, mm-hmm. which, so Gary had two casinos. They shared the same dock, the same pier. So if you went up there and you walked out, if you turned to the left, you went to one boat, if you turned to the right, you went to the other. They were owned by the same people. So year back about 19 or 2019, um, the legislature, they went to the legislature. The legislature said, all right, you can take these boats off the water and put make one land-based and then We'll relocate one to Terre Haute. Everybody can rebid on the Terre Haute one. Mm-hmm. And Spectacle was the leader on that. And then everything started to go downhill. But yeah, a guy named Rod Radcliffe mm-hmm. was kind of the principal there. And um, funny, John Keeler, who was his right-hand man, has been to jail. Uh, there was a state senator who was running for Congress that got convicted of basically accepting straw donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's another- you're, are you tra- you're talking about Everhart? No, Everhart is a state rep from Shelbyville. He was promised a job, allegedly by Rod Radcliffe, and that's so Everhart has now pled to something, and he's waiting to be sentenced. And they're saying that there are going to be charges coming down to the former owner of Spectacle Entertainment. They have not named him by name, but I think Tony Katz actually said, it's Rod Radcliffe. Mm -hmm. So, which... I have sat in a couple meetings with Rod Radcliffe because mm-hmm. they also own the the sports book that's here downtown in Indianapolis, and that's where he was operating out of. And a couple different times I met to, met with him once when the bar owners were trying to get electronic gaming for their establishments, and we thought maybe we could partner with them. Another time I was talking to him about vaping, which he was trying to corner the industry on, mm-hmm. but it was every bit as sleazy as you mm. could possibly imagine. I mean... Guy chain smokes probably four packs of cigarettes a day, and it's just he's got his minions around him that that make sure that he's on the straight and narrow. But yeah, lots of people coming through to kiss the ring. Um, so that's that's what created the Terre Haute Casino. And originally, I think they were granted that license. Well, then when everything started going down, the gaming commissioner like, you're not allowed to have the license right, anymore. Right. So then Churchill down came in it. and and yeah. it's going to be a palace. Well, it looks very cool based on the pictures, and it's supposed to open spring of 24. The deputy director Jenny Resky she said that they're on track to open in early April. Although the hotel, which will go along with the casino will be open later so um it, it's just this big 
cube, and it looks cool. So, well, you and the dude do the hour road trip west to Terre Haute? I don't know. We've been having a lot of luck at the uh, Horseshoe South. So, so you, you don't want to break that streak? Well, you know, when when you're... <laughs> When you're on a hot streak, well, you don't true. change it up, right? That, that's true. Well, you could just take take that hot streak and say it's going to be hot no matter where we go. Right. Hopefully, that's the way it works. But I'm telling you, every time we go into that uh, horseshoe, it, we, we walk out with more than we came in with. So Sounds like I need to go with you next I, I time and just I tag can't, along. Can't interrupt that. <laughs> it is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning.